Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about marketing products in overwhelming trade market when you have huge competition, big competitors, when everyone knows them. I don't know, probably Nike, Amazon, name them. So big, big competitors. And how to market your products and take your piece of uh, pie. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Pakis Rigas. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to learn more about that because I often learn such issue. Uh, I have many customers. We are looking for ways how to start from scratch, how to market products when you have big competitors. So yeah, want to know more about that. Uh, Vakis, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and any uh, information that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Sure thing. Um, so my name is Vakis. I've, I've basically spent the majority of my, my uh, career in B2B. SaaS marketing and uh, throughout the latter part of my, my career, I spent a lot of time working with startups and thinking exactly about this thing. So how do you, how, how do you get something to market when there's competitors out there that are well more, way more well-known than you, um, mm -hmm. that have a much larger base of customers. Um, and that's, that's essentially like what I've been spending time on, like trying to figure out, like, how do you carve out a piece? of um of a market for yourself where, where you're able to compete even though there's like much larger fish out there mm -hmm. nice nice and you know uh let me share my personal experience uh, for example i have a son 12 years old and he never uh never never uh asked me to buy uh, sneakers he always tells me to buy nike I don't know why. For me, it doesn't matter this brand. Uh, I'm pretty sure that great sneakers can be in Reebok, Adidas, many other uh, less known brands. But yeah, uh, for me, quality is more important. But he tells me I need Nike. Can you tell you why? How to uh, steal customers, uh, loyal customers from big brands, if they believe on these brands, if they trust them, okay, these brands deserve this trust, this brand deserve authority, uh, and customers have no time to waste uh, hard-earned money with, uh, uh, non, uh, with uh, less known brands. Uh, so, any insights, what to do? <laughs> yes, yeah, so... so... Nike is a super hard example because like they've, they've built a whole story. So like one of the things that we can talk about is like, why is Nike, why do they have such a, a good foothold? Like one, like they create a pretty good product, but there's also like, you could, you could get Reebok shoes that are arguably as good or even better. And the thing about Nike and, and in the space is you, if you operate in a space where you don't have any advantages like literally none like you you can you can get a shoe produced in china that is as good as what nike has they don't have any special patents i'm sure they would love to to tell you that they do so like adidas once came out with like the power boost that everyone was raving about oh that's much better you it gets much bouncier but end of the day like you can copy these things pretty easily so in that kind of space, your only task is to figure out how can you create something different? How can you create something unique? Um, there's actually a really good podcast on, on this. Uh, so there's a podcast, a podcast called Acquired, um, which your listeners can look up. There's an episode on LVMH where they talk about this concept. And what was really interesting and stood out to me in that episode is like, they talk about ultra premium products versus luxury. Um, ultra premium, you, you typically see them um, focus a lot on the features. So, so they'll promote additional features. So like Apple is, is a great example and the example that they bring up there 
where you, you buy a new iPhone, right? And then they, they talk a lot about like, the extra camera can do this and you get a little better. And then Google comes in with their Pixel phones and they create like a far superior camera in in many aspects. And then they, they will start to steal some customers. Um, but what was really interesting about this episode is they, they talk about the difference between ultra premium and, and, and brand or luxury. So if you are ultra premium, you sell features, they get better all the time, and then you, you sell more products. But with brands, you create a store, you create a lifestyle, a, a world that you can become part of. And there's several, um, there's several advantages if you can do this. Because all of a sudden, like you, you, you can charge much more for your product. You don't really get any competitors per se. Uh, so if if you are, if you've managed to create a universe that is so compelling that you you want to buy something to be part of that universe, you're putting yourself in a much stronger position. It's something that's really hard to do, and it's something that Nike and others have have spent literally decades building uh, and for some other brands centuries um, but but you are putting yourself in such a strong position because no one can ever really take that away from you and if you want to compete with that you have to spend decades or centuries building that yeah. so it, it's not something that you can do overnight but it's something that you can build into your brand story so like if you are not in a space where you have a superior quality, then you can build this superior universe. And you can you can see like it's super interesting if you look at the different like for luxury goods, it's it's special because you have different uh facets, right? So almost different levels. You have Louis Vuitton, which everyone on the planet knows. If you buy a Louis Vuitton bag, it's really hard to tell whether or not you have a fake or an authentic Louis Vuitton bag, but it doesn't really matter because you buy it because you wanna be part of something. And then everyone else will try to buy that thing. They might buy a fake, but they are not part of that society where, where, where you almost, or that world where you have access to something special. So you're pumping money into something that could as well be a fake it's it's if you think about it rationally it is crazy if you think about it from the lens of hey i want to be part of this special community so i'm buying this thing then it makes perfect sense right um and there's even you can go a step further up where you have brands like hermes where it's not as easy to see who made the bag but the ones who, who knows about Hermes, they know exactly what bag it is. And they know exactly how, how much it you would have let go in order to get that bag. And then you become part of the special society. People who you want to recognize you, recognizes you. And that's the power. If you can create something of that magnitude, then, then you're in a really interesting space because it will take such a long time to take that brand equity away from you mm -hmm. and that that is quite interesting nice you, you remind me my brother's wife you know when you mentioned about louis vuitton <laughs> you know when she buys new back i don't know how it's called you know for three thousand dollars you know even more it makes him crazy <laughs> because he doesn't understand he 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 doesn't understand why uh, any bag can cost more than a hundred dollars. You know, even fifty dollars, you can find great bags. So, but when you see small bag for three thousand dollars, yeah, okay, you know, he can earn this money. He, but he doesn't understand why he needs to pay for this. You know, even if you have this money, yeah. So, so that's the interesting thing, right? Because she's not buying the bag. No one's buying the bag. Like. Really, yeah. if you think about it, you would only need one bag in your lifetime if it's of high quality. Because if it's well built, it will last you what 
50, 60 years if you take good care of it. So you, you, you don't need to buy more bags, but we do. Mm -hmm. And it's not the yeah. bags that we're buying. We're, we're buying the community that we become part of by buying that bag. Because you're, you're, you're buying the, the, the compliment that someone gives to you on, on the street. Oh, you got that. Or the, you're buying the envy that someone has when they see, oh, you, you bought that one. I can't afford that one. So, so that's, it's, it's more about that. Like it's, 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 this, we're trying to satisfy our ego, <laughs> which is hard. Um, yeah. But it, it gives us something that is much more valuable than than a bag is, and that that's why it costs that kind of money. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, let's talk about finding the right channel. Um, for example, Nike can pay Cristiano Ronaldo a million dollar for a post on Instagram, and influence marketing works well for Nike, many other brands. I think this brand has resources to pay billions, you know, for marketing. Coca-Cola can, many other brands. Uh, but uh, for new projects, uh, startups, it's hard. It's hard to invest such money. Can you tell how to find the right channel? Uh, if you start from scratch, have no experience, anything, but you need to find uh, loyal customers and convince them that your products are high quality. Yeah, so what what these brands are doing is they're 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 buying association essentially mm -hmm. to something. So like you're 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 doing this to be seen in the same room or be part of Cristiano's life. So it's it's Cristiano is incredibly successful, built an incredible life for himself incredible career um and that's what they're buying into so they they want to be part of that journey and like see like hey uh, people who are successful they they run in nike shoes or play in nike soccer um boots um and that that that's what they're doing and you can do the same like you don't need cristiano ronaldo to, to, to get that mass exposure or create that association, um, you just have to find good partners. So like one of some of the things that we're doing in, in B2B SaaS often is like you try to find, figure out what your ecosystem is. So if you're selling software, for example, software is typically part of a tech stack. So you have a tech stack to do whatever you're trying to do faster, more efficient, better. So your job is to figure out, okay, who are the winners in the space or who are the, um, the companies that are up and coming in the space? And then you try to figure out if you can do some sort of partnerships because with those companies. So let's say, for example, a type form. Type form is a online form that is the best tool out there for that particular job. But if you're using Typeform, you're probably also using, let's say, HubSpot, which is a, a typical CRM that you would use as a marketer. By partnering with HubSpot, Typeform gets access to customers that they didn't already have access to through HubSpot, and HubSpot gets access to customers that they didn't have access to um, that type format access to. So it's it's kind of a, you're creating win-win situations where you get exposure to the group of people that you want and you're creating almost like an endorsement for each other. So like, okay, if you're using HubSpot, HubSpot users tend to use Typeform and the other way around. So you're creating like a almost like a clique of software that that just creates a lot of waves. Um, in the market and it's a great and easy way to kind of break through into a market and also like establish that initial trust which is really difficult if you are um if you're running a, a, a startup yeah awesome awesome got it uh, i love kids you know <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I, I often get this <laughs> the same sound, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but it shows that everything is uh, life, you know, because I found that, for example, uh, when I listen to Gary V podcast i can feel it you know uh, he doesn't care a lot about sounds he doesn't care a lot about uh, many other things but he cares about value uh, if he can share value it's more important for audience yeah i agree with this format as well and uh, i have the question about choosing the right channel uh, marketing is huge Many different channels, uh, digital marketing, uh, SEO, paid marketing, uh, webinars, uh, social media, many, many different channels. And can you tell how to choose the right one uh, if you start from scratch? Okay, I am sure I have quality, high quality product. Uh, probably I can assume what my target audience is but uh, how to find the channel to uh, market your products uh, yeah i'm happy you said one <laughs> like, I, I think many of us we have a tendency to try just like go and do everything right we want to like okay i have this budget we set up a like multiple campaigns across multiple channels um and it's usually like not super effective because like you you, you have only so much money and especially if you're a startup you don't have a lot of them so what, what you really need to figure out is like okay where do i have the most impact um the way i go about it is i just i do one thing at a time so instead of starting facebook campaigns linkedin campaigns google TikTok, what have you um I, I try one at a time and I, I basically just go about it in a very scientific way um I, I i write up a document state very clearly what it is i'm trying to achieve and then i write up some hypotheses so hey i i expect that by doing x i get z and by doing that i kind of hold myself accountable to a certain target and it's also very easy for me to go back, review and say, okay, did I do everything I could to achieve this? If I didn't, then I would iterate and make sure that I, um, I do the things that is missing. And if I have, then it's super easy for me to just quit it and say, okay, not for now, push to the side. Let's not focus on this because it's, it's more important to get one channel working than, than have seven that doesn't um you'll get to the second like but just get the first right and and spend some time on it dive deeper into okay how do i make this ultra efficient to the point where you can basically achieve your targets with one channel and once you're you're there you're happy you can set up an org around it if that is what makes sense because then you'll constantly have someone focusing on that bit that works and then you can take take your resources and focus on all the things that do not work yet and try to get them to work or identify others that will. So those that that's typically how I would go about it. Just be very clear about your goals going in and then test and iterate. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. Focusing is very important. I remember in 2020, I decided to grow on all social media. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, <laughs> TikTok, <laughs> many others, uh, and uh, uh, I failed. I failed because, uh, you know, I tried to repurpose content everywhere without engaging with the audience, and it's hard. It's hard. Then I switch all my attention to LinkedIn to grow my audience, and uh, I found that focusing works well you know when you don't try to be jack of all trades to cover all social media and they found many great influencers they usually uh, start from one social media when they have resources they can extend to other social media platforms by using resources by hiring new people experts who can help them uh, like charlie demelio she, she started on tiktok then grew on uh, youtube instagram 
uh, many other great examples, including Gary Vee. Gary Vee started on Twitter. He posted on Twitter. Then uh, he paid attention to YouTube, uh, Facebook. And uh, today he has a team that can help him you know, to uh, cover all social media to get this uh, real good success. So he deserved the success, but he started on Twitter uh, by uh, replying to all tweets about wine uh, for seven years uh, as he shared this story many times. And I'm interested about B2B. You mentioned that you focus to B2B. Can you tell what is the main difference between B2B and B2C? Because I see when people use the same marketing, the same methods, to uh, satisfy B2B and B2C. Uh, once I spoke with, uh, and uh, you know, I spoke with one uh, webmaster and he told me uh, in the end, we uh, reaching out to a human being. Yes, that's okay. You're reaching out to human being, but uh, this human being needs to transfer data to decision makers, to a team. So. Any tips how to do it differently and uh, to grow on B2B? Yeah, so there's different components, right? Like, yes, we're marketing to the same people. So like TikTok, for, well, let me go back. So there's this notion that TikTok is not a good channel for, for B2B. But to be honest, like that, uh, it, it it's not true. Um, it, it can work as a channel. Um, it's not the channel, it's the people that you're reaching out to. And the re people that you're reaching out to, it's not like they clock off at like 5 p.m. and then when they're on TikTok, they don't think work. Everyone thinks work all the time. Like we're, we're wired to do so. Um, so, but the, the different levels that, that I see that are, are slightly different is like, okay, which space are you operating in? Because B2B is many things. Um, are you... Like, are you SMB, mid-market, enterprise? It matters a lot because when, when you're talking to an enterprise, your, your sales cycles are, are much longer. You tend to have a lot more stakeholders that you're selling into. And it it's not always like what you think that will make the sale. So, so that, that's a completely different beast. If, if we look at mid-market SMBs where the average contract value or ACV is, is typically quite low, then it's different. Then, then it's almost as B2C. Like there, there's not much difference. You're, you're still communicating to humans. I think in, in both scenarios, one really good trick is to try to figure out how you can um, resonate with them because like with with b2c like it might be that nike sneaker that that, that gets you out of the chair um, why does it get you out of the chair that's that's the question that you need to answer before you start talking to people um, because that's where you can go in and really engage them in a much different way so i don't know if you are familiar with intercom the chatbot um they at their marketing team, they, they had a, a cool image of like bike parts. And then on the other side, there was a bike. And underneath the bike parts, it says, we do not sell this. We sell this under the bike. So they're selling the bike. They're not necessarily selling the bike parts. And what most marketers tend to focus on is, is the bike parts. So the Nike shoe can, like it's made with this fantastic rubber, it'll make you jump higher. Whereas it that's not what they're buying. Some, yes, of course, are, are, are buying that. Um, but most people, they tend to buy what that Nike shoe can make them do or make them become part of. And that's really what you should focus on both, in my opinion, in D2C and, and, and B2B. DTC, depending on like what line you're in, if you're selling um, ultra low uh, value products, then I mean you might want to focus more on the on the price and like hey, get it now, urgency, all that stuff. Um, but for for higher ticket items, it's a lot about like how, who can you become by by getting this, 
So can you become better at your job? Can you become, can you get promoted? All of those like more, we call emotional um, needs and wants. Those are some of the things that you will typically, if you're effective, you'll, you'll, you'll be good at doing that. Um, because those are some of the triggers that helps the sale even more across the line. Um, and then like, of course, you should always also think about like, okay, like, can the person actually like achieve that particular thing, not just talk about what they can become, but make sure you help them and get to that place. So I think that that's one of the things where it's, it's slightly different because like in B2B, typically most of these are recurring payments. So you'll want to engage your customers much more. So you think instead of just thinking about the, the, the tra transaction, you, th you think about the lifetime of the customer. So you help them basically like, yeah, you saw on the shoe, but then you also teach them how to maintain the shoe. You, you teach them how to use the shoe. So you spend a lot more um, efforts in post-sale than you would in, in D2C. So I think that's probably the largest difference between the two. But again, it depends on what, what product you're selling. There's also subscription um, things for, for, for D2C, like toothbrush. Maybe you'll want people to like do more dental work in some way, shape, or form. And then you, by doing that and constantly being there, you could extend the lifetime value of, of that customer. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I like this lifetime value because today, you know, uh, for example, 12 years ago, I set up Google Ads and Facebook Ads myself. I didn't ask specialists to help me with that because I paid five, ten cents per click. You know, not a lot. And it worked. It worked well. I didn't consider a buying persona. But today I need to pay five ten dollars hundred times more, <laughs> so a lot. That's why I think today it's a must have, you know, to consider such metrics like uh, lifetime value, like buying persona, because we need to pay a lot more. And it's not like to invest a dollar to get two dollars back. Sometimes we can't get even dollar back. But uh, if your customer will bring uh other customers uh word of mouth if uh, your customer will buy more time so yeah you can get two dollars and more back uh, so yeah i i made this mistake by the way i don't know why i share all my mistakes uh, i do <laughs> you know in in my life okay i want to be honest i do a lot of mistakes uh, for me it's really hard to count all these mistakes i keep doing them but how you can learn another way? I don't know, because if you read best practices, you need to test, experiment to find what actually uh, works for you. So uh, that's okay, you know, in marketing to do mistakes. Uh, sometimes it's costly. You need to pay for this mistake. Sometimes not. Uh, you can just uh, spend your time. But yeah, it's part of the process. Okay. If I started to share my mistakes, can you list mistakes that other companies still do in your experience and how to find a much better way? Yeah, um, overcomplicate things. <clears throat> I think most companies out there today, they have a tendency of trying to explain everything that they can do, everything that they are in, in one place. So like if you go to the homepage, Oh, we have these like million solutions. Here they are listed in detail. Um, yeah, that's it's super tough. Like, you, like as a, cu a customer, you go in, you see that you're like, oh. And in many cases, you go into a website, you know exactly what you need, you know what the company is, and then you go in and then you get a little confused. Like, I'm not sure, did it, is this the right one? Um, <laughs> so, like, it can be very confusing. So, like. Most companies, they need to be more, much more specific. Like it's always better if you are specific about what you do. And also if you understand what your priority is. So what what is the number one thing that you're focusing on? That's the story that you tell. Everything else you can you can do later. That's again, the, the, the life cycle that I spoke about. Like you start in one place, you get them in the door, 
and then slowly you will um, you you'll start to 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 get them familiarized with the with your product, understanding the true value. But it's a process, right? Like it's if you, if you buy a, a new house or a new apartment, you don't like it's not like you move in and then everything's perfect and you know exactly how to decorate it. You. you you move things around and then you make it better and then you make it more homely. And it that that's the same thing that you need to do from the lens of a marketer. Yeah, like you, you figure out how do we get them in the door? And then, okay, how do we decorate the first room and only focus on that? And then they start to see value. And then you go to the next room. Um, and that that's one of the things that like many, many companies fail um that's one area the other area is um just the the writing like i think we we could do everyone a favor by just thinking a little more about how we write um so we we have a tendency of like making things or sentences way way too long um there's a couple of tricks that you can do to to prevent this um one of them is like stop using filler words <laughs> so you don't have to say very you can you can just say it as it is so what whatever you you're trying to communicate get rid of all the fluff just say it as it is because it is way easier to understand what you provide and then later on you can you can tell them whatever else you want but it's you're not going to sell to someone if you try to sell them the whole thing that you can do um, that's one thing I've experienced in, in many of the companies I've, I've been working at where the sales team go out with a pitch deck that's like 40 slides long. That's never going to work. Never. Because people fall asleep during these presentations. They, they give up. They don't listen because it's, it's just it's too much. So let's just keep it to the core message. What, do, what are you looking for? And then you address that. And that could be different things, right? So I'm not saying that you shouldn't sell um, the things that you have in your your store. You should figure out what the customer needs, and then you sell to that need. And then once they're in the door, you work on them for phase two, which is enabling other needs. Awesome. Yeah, simplicity is key. And you remind me, Apple.com. Now, when I open this website, I don't see in the first visible script, MacBook, AirPod, Apple Watch. I love Apple. I buy a lot of Apple products, but in the first screen, I can see Apple iPhone because iPhone is responsible for uh, 40% even more of all Apple sales. So Apple pays attention to priorities, to best-selling product. And uh, you can find MacBook, AirPod, Apple Watch if you open other pages on Apple.com. But Apple doesn't try to sell you anything. And yeah, I see this issue as well when <laughs> websites add almost all their products uh, in the homepage. I don't know why you need to do it. Uh, once I read a study uh, that was probably cheese. I don't remember exactly what kind of uh, product, but in store. Uh, you know, when you uh, buy products, you can see some uh, desk when you can uh, try something, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, on this study, they uh, try to give customers 24 times of cheese, uh, 24 uh, types of cheese and uh, six types of cheese. And uh, after trying six types of cheese, customers uh, are willing to buy a lot more. Because they don't, when you have so many options, you don't know what to buy. Because uh, probably the taste is similar and it confuses more. Uh, but when you have less options, uh, you can choose between them. Uh, and I agree, you need to learn customers to understand. Probably your customers need these options. So it depends. And, uh, you know, uh, I have the question about personalization. Uh, you know, uh, how to, you mentioned that you need to highlight important things to your customers. And, um, but, you know, I still get every single day, not only me, many others, 
a lot of uh, uh, propositions about guest posting, link building, many other stuff. Uh, and uh, I usually start my day by cleaning email, like uh, 50 uh, emails uh, with all these propositions. I lead them to my spam inbox, the best place where they can spend time together. Uh, so yeah, my spam inbox loves all these propositions. And uh, I'm interested about uh, how to learn customers, how to personalize experience before trying to sell anything. Figure out what they need. So the, the yeah, the, there's a, a bunch of different ways. I don't even know where to start. I, like I think that the concept that I urge people to think about is like how can you identify different needs? So is that by tagging different sites and saying like okay, I have four different offerings, and I can see that my my customers are going mainly to to this one offering um then then like you 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 could say okay that's that's the area that i will prioritize with my with my uh, customer base or with my uh, prospects that are coming in but the other thing that you could do with this information all is also see like okay like these people like where do they roam the most and then start the conversation from there so if you have, let's say, four different services, you sell um, phones, you sell computers, you sell um, AirPods and accessories. If, if people are, are searching on the AirPod section, like that's where you start the conversation and figure out like, okay, what more do I need to provide them? So are they browsing certain pages? Okay, what would typically come next in a sequence if you're looking for this? that's when you start the personalization the other thing could also be like simple things such as like a use a form to identify the needs like why why are you here oh, okay are you looking for xyz i'm looking for z okay within z what are some of the the things and challenges that you have and then from there on start to personalize the journey so if you're in a like i say regular sales led cycle then if if a customer wants computers, then the sales team does not go out and pitch AirPods, accessories, phones, and computers. They just focus on the computer. And then they figure out, like, how do I like, ask the right questions to the customer that will narrow that sale down to success? Because that, that's really bottom line. You want to start that first conversation and get that first sale in, and then you can focus on, on everything else. And you'll probably be able to, with very uh, simple analytics tools, to see like, okay, when 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 most of our customers they first buy a laptop, and then after they buy a laptop, they tend to buy AirPods, and then after they have AirPods, then that's when they start buying the phones. Then you can also like use that information to kind of create that sequence, so that you 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 spend your resources in the in the places where you have the highest opportunity for success yeah awesome awesome uh, i have the question about you about your experience <laughs> you know uh when you uh share all these valuable insights i can feel this confidence you know the topic you're uh you spend so much time by learning practicing all of these things so uh, I have some uh, students in my network who are looking for ways how to learn, how to start learning today because marketing is a quickly changing world. So you can't learn something and uh, use all the time. You need to adapt, to go ahead, to um, many things. So let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, completely from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about marketing? Oh, what would I do? So I think like, I'd, I'd probably try to figure out why I'm so interested in, in marketing and why I want to learn about it. Because like marketing is super broad. You, you, you have so many disciplines and the disciplines are getting more and more specific as time passes by because like we, we get better at the different disciplines. Um, 
So I think I, I try to figure out like, okay, why does it excite me? Why does it interest me? And then I'd, I'd start there. Um, so let's say, for example, product marketing, I hear that all the time. I really want to become a product marketer. I hear that there's a big demand in the market, which there is. Um, and, and I hear that they're like really well paid. So how do I, how do I become a, a, a PMM? Then just by having that information, you'd probably be able to, with a simple Google search, to figure out, okay, who are the, the market, PMM influencers out there? Who's doing something really cool? Um, there's several communities like Sharebird, uh, Product Marketing Alliance, where you can engage with an audience that is highly skilled um, and, and also get access to content that is very valuable. There's um, uh, various courses that you can take on, on the topic. And then you can kind of dive in and understand, okay, which aspects of product marketing gets me gets me excited? What are some of the things that are most Im important to me? And then you'll very quickly find very cool people, influencers, um, who will guide you in the right direction. There's a ton of content on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn, if, if, if you look for it. Um, but I, I think that's the best way. And then another thing I, I probably do is, is start to reach out to some people. It doesn't. I would not start with the influencers because they probably get a ton of requests already. Um, but but I would start like asking like, hey, um, I've been looking at this. Would you be up? And I really admire your work. Would you be interested in having a cup of coffee? I have this problem, or just ask a simple question like, hey, I saw you talk about this. Uh, would you be interested in like? helping me with this problem that I have. Because often those things, when people come asking for help, we, we as humans are wired to want to solve things. So having someone asking for help and then you being able to give the solution, you'll ref by reflex just fire off an email or something and then you've got a, a, a contact, you've, you, you've connected. You've had a conversation. Um, another thing I would say is network as much as you can. Like ask people if they want to chat for an hour about product marketing or half an hour, 15 minutes, whatever. Because I, I think you'll find that many marketers are genuinely interested in passing on their knowledge. We're all excited about this. And some of the best conversations I've had is, is with people who don't necessarily have the same experience, but they come in, in with a different point of view. So there's not all these like presumptions about how things work, which we tend to get the, the, the more experience we have. It's it's just genuine curiosity, like, hey, is could you do this? And then someone would, like, if you're open-minded, you'd start to think about it. Then maybe there's like a, oh, I hadn't thought about that angle because I wasn't seeing the world from, from your view. So I think those are some of the things. Um, there's a ton of books that are, are really good. Like one of the things, one of my um, personal favorites is um, Job to be Done Theory, I think it's called by Jim Kolbeck, um, which gives a very good concept of how to think about um, problems. Um, there's also similar vein, similar topic when coffee competes with, or when coffee and kale competes. Um, it basically talks about like the, 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 the products that we have in the world, they all do similar things. And sometimes like coffee and kale can, can actually be competing against each other because the job to be done is um, is something that both of them can solve. And that's some of the things where like, if you think about the world from that lens, then all of a sudden you start to think about more about the, 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 the thing that the customer is trying to overcome or trying to do. And if you think about that, you think about the customer experience as your default, you will be a better marketer because you will start to speak to them from that lens. 
So instead of trying to sell your product with the means that you have, you start to think about, okay, how, how can this product help you do the things that you want to do? And when you do that, it's not a sale. You're helping. Yeah. And people appreciate that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And, you know, when you mention how much information we can get on Twitter, LinkedIn, and made this deep brief, I got it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I know about that. And uh, I usually read a lot of blog posts, but I can't re read a teeny percent of all new blog posts that are coming every single day. So I need to choose between them. Uh, I read headlines and okay, I can take it. I, I'm not have time. Uh, I don't have time for others. So yeah, it depends. And uh, um, I have the final question about the future in marketing because you know many things are coming ai it's a hot topic today and many people can tell ai will replace us you know you me anyone so your forecast predictions about ai and how to adapt today to the uh, possible future that uh, definitely will change the world uh, with new technologies yeah, I'm super curious to see how AI is deployed in, in, in both marketing, but also everywhere else. Um, specifically for marketing, I think I mean, it'll make our jobs, I don't want to say easier, but it's going to enable us to do much more with less. So I think like, hopefully, what I hope will happen is that your market, like marketing teams get smaller. Because I think many organizations have this idea of like just bloating the organization, having someone cover basically everything from A to Z. Um, not because it works, but because we have to, because our competitors are doing it. So as our competitor on TikTok, let's uh, launch a TikTok campaign. Why? Like, do we know if it works? It like I I hope that AI puts us in the driver's seat. So instead of being a passenger and just being taken places, I hope it puts us in a place where we can execute on so many things that we will get more time to think about what we're actually trying to do. So get more strategic, think more long-term, think more about the customer experience because at the end of the day, with a great customer experience, you will win. If like it, it, it's just like and you I think you can increase the quality of customer experiences with AI. Um, you just have to think through how you go about it. The, the problem is like we all default to like, OK, the, the fastest thing that's first in front of us. So let's write 10,000 blog posts because we can just have chat. GBT write it, right? But if, if you really look over the content that it spits out, like while it is great or good, it is not great. So the, the, it all has the same kind of structure to it. And then you can teach it to, to, to write in a different way, um, but without being able to prompt the AI in that way, you just, you will look the same as everyone else. So I think the, the creativity is really an important element here. Like we don't want everyone to just, hey, write um, an article on 10 best things for my, uh, for my towel. Um, or could you sell this product to um, this, this buying persona? Like I think our, our efforts should be more focused on, okay, what is the experience that we want to build? How can we prompt the AI to, to be different than, than the rest of the market. Because like, I mean, we all have LinkedIn. We all get tons of those like direct requests. Hey, you're part of my network. I thought, or I, I, I'd like to like connect with you and have you be part of my network. We don't know the person, but it's hundred percent a salesperson that wants to either expand their network, expand their reach or pitch something to you, which neither of us want. But if that person had instead spent some more time figuring out, okay, what, what do I need? What are some of the things that you can help me with? 
then I would be totally open to have a conversation because it's otherwise it's just like this flat email that everyone in the world gets. I, I'm not interested in that. I don't want that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with that because uh, I know AI is a must have, but, uh, and I'm pretty sure that without AI, it's hard to uh, handle marketing. Yeah. Today it's a must have, uh, but uh, I agree. AI uh, is not creative because uh, you can imagine that thousand others can do it as well. So, if you generate content with AI, uh, you can teach AI to change something. But in the end, the context is the same with a thousand others that can create the same text to teach AI. And uh, that's why uh, it's not creative because it's generic. It's creative only for the first one <laughs> who created, generated the text. But for the second and the rest, it's not creative. And people hate it. People hate to get the same message. It's like to watch a movie with the same plot. I often get a uh, uh, review uh, about a new movie. Nothing special. I watched many other the same movies. So, yeah, uh, you need to be creative to bring something new. And AI can help just to save your time. Yeah, uh, it's not replacement. Probably, probably, I'm not sure, but I think uh, writers uh, will be more editors and controllers, uh, not uh, simple writing. It, it doesn't mean that writing will be dead, but uh, many writers will be control and handle the process. And uh, when you edit, you can create something new and more creative. Yeah, I love it, love it. Vekis, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way, how to learn more about you, how to follow you, how to reach out to you. Uh, I mean, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, Vekisar. Um, feel free to shoot me a line if, if you have any questions or if you want to connect. I'm here. Um, so I think that like I don't post a lot on social media. For, for me, I mean, I've, it's just time I do not have. Um, probably a bad thing, but I, I, I prefer spending spending my time differently. Um, but if, if I can help in any way, if, if your company is thinking about like positioning itself differently, um, feel free to reach out. I'm here. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, about the time, you know. If I have time to post 24 times a day, I probably do it. But I have more this time. It's a pity I have no this time. So because many things to do, many other priorities. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but when you uh, cooperate with customers uh, directly, so why not? Yeah, you can spend this time because of money. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks a lot for watching, listening us. Uh, thanks again. A big pleasure. Love all your valuable insights. I'm pretty sure that audience will love it as well. And guys, you can find the links to uh, Vekis Rigas in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.